the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. So we're back the time 608 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 one If you want to chime in on our topic of forgiveness, uh, racism, discrimination, I've got three lines open. Love to hear from you, one 3675329. I'm talking with Jermaine from Oakland on this monumental topic, which we would call sort of the apex of redemptive consequent, the apex of redemption accomplished, and that is the forgiveness of sins. Jermaine, I'm looking forward to, again, unpacking this and clarifying this massive foundation that got put under the whole concept of forgiveness, because forgiveness is really the aftermath of a massive work of grace that God has done for us. I want to make a proposition for our audience, and I want to talk a little bit about why it is that people don't um, demonstrate biblical forgiveness as they ought. Uh, and then you and I can do some back and forth. And again, you guys want to chime in on the topic, one 367 If you are struggling with forgiving, um, you might want to ask some questions. If you have someone with whom you want forgiveness, but uh, they're not coming through, you might want to raise that question as well. one 367 This is really at the heart of the life of the redeemed. So listen to these words. The person who walks in a sound gospel understanding of forgiveness, recognizing that this is the only mechanism that God uses to keep you in the bundle of his love is both profoundly liberated and truly loving. The person who walks in a sound gospel understanding of the forgiveness of sins, recognizing that this is the only mechanism that God uses to keep you in the bosom of his love, you are both profoundly liberated when you know it, you employ it, you enjoy it, And you are truly loving. Now, take those two adjectives, profoundly liberated and truly loving. When you meet someone who is profoundly liberated by the grace of God and truly loving by the grace of God, it's because they are radically clear on the forgiveness of sins in their life. It goes on to say the quality of our forgiveness. This is me writing the quality of our forgiveness is concomitant or equal with the level of gratitude we have towards God. In other words, and this is the danger. We got to work this through. This is why Christ said what he said in Matthew six. If I really don't understand the level of sacrifice to which God went in his thoughts, his plans, the execution of the plans and the cost of the plan to forgive me. um, I am going to be scandalous in my behavior towards God. Uh, I am going to blaspheme the notion that I am a forgiven sinner. I am going to radically distort 
the intention of God for me in relationship to other people where I don't forgive them or am stingy in my forgiveness or am critical and self-righteous and overbearing with them, I am in danger of actually not knowing the grace of God at the level of true conversion. And this is where the term would come in. Do you know God in the pardon of your sins? Because to whom much is forgiven, the same loves very much. This is uh, Luke's gospel, chapter seven, with the woman who came in with the alabaster box of ointment. Those brothers couldn't understand the mystery of her worship of Christ. It was liberating. It was loving. It was liberating and it was loving and it was an amazing manifestation of her own intrinsic freedom to come into the midst of a taboo of men and worship on Christ manifest what he had done for her by the the price she paid. You know, often people are talking about the oil poured on the head of Christ, that alabaster box of oil. That's cool. But really, for God, it wasn't the oil. It was the heart. It was the heart. Uh, and for her to be bold enough to enter in through her liberty to worship Christ in that way, knowing that he had revealed to her that he would die soon because that's what Christ does. He reveals secret redemptive realities to people who have drawn near to him in intimate ways. But when we read the book of Colossians chapter three, where Colossians tells us how we are to behave in verse um, verse 12 of chapter three and 14 Chapter 12 through 14 of, of uh, chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. In other words, the predisposition of God's people should be merciful, kindness. Now, watch this humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. He says this should be the attitude. Bowels of mercy is an attitude, a mental disposition that the believer should have. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Now think about that before I show you this next category that God wants us to walk in. So he says our attitude should be one of humility. It should be one of kindness. It should be one of meekness, one of long-suffering. Now, where these are not seen germane in people's lives, the opposite is true. They are, um, they're not meek. They are not lowly of mind. They're not humble. They're proud, self-righteous, critical, um, super analytical, um, grudgeful, vengeful. Um, it's very bad, very, very dangerous. So what, what Paul under inspiration of the spirit says here is you won't meet people who walk in the quickness and sufficiency and fullness of forgiveness who aren't lowly of mind. And this is where the work of sanctification has to come in because we're very proud people, very, very proud people. We're more judges than we are doers of the law. He says in verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ has forgiven you, so also do ye. Now, The motive to forgive others, particularly in the body of Christ, is that, you know, Christ is the epitome and personification of forgiveness. But there it is. That's this is where we will have a bit of a challenge. And I'd love to hear from you on this now, Jermaine, that uh, people that should be um, demonstrating forgiveness in a much more um, a thorough, much more comprehensive, much more uh, elaborative way don't. They're constrained 
They are uh, they are stingy. They are um, inhibited, unable to do this. There's a real problem going on, and we cannot not regard that as dangerously unspiritual. So, what's your thoughts? Well, I agree with you, and I, you know, I appreciate that answer. It, it was definitely in context of what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I just find that most people who use the word forgiveness, they throw it around kind of nonchalantly, and they take for granted the word without researching the depth of what it actually means. And uh, I see a lot of people who tend to maybe, you know, in my own life who maybe have done something and mm-hmm. forgive them, but they seem to think that because they wrong you, like hypothetically, if uh, I was to borrow your credit card, right. and say, hey, spend $50, and I spend $3,500, right. and give it to me again, well, I'm going to say, okay, I have a sucker here, and I do it again, right. and he won't give me the credit card, and then I say, oh, well, Jesse's not forgiving. That's not that's not Christian, brother. Well, right. you know, we all know that's that has nothing to do with the context of what you just explained. Not at all. And 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 backing up, I like that example because it deals with something that's close to our heart, and that is money, as it ought to be, because money is a real good indicator of our honor principle and our responsibilities. So you give someone your credit card or uh, I, and they use it, and they spend more than they should, um, they may acknowledge that they did or didn't. And I give them um, uh, a pass. I forgive them. The word forgive, both in the old and new, means to lift up and to carry away or to at least cover. And I'm going to talk about those in, t- in terms of their profoundly spiritual implications on Sunday. Why God has to do that for you and me because of our weakness. But where we forgive someone, afi'imi in the Greek, afi, afi'imi, the longer version of it, where we l- forgive someone, we let them go of the responsibility of paying back. That's an act of mercy. In other words, we don't owe them that. And for them to come back and say, well, you didn't forgive me, they are completely out of order with that kind of response because forgiveness is only based on mercy. In other words... You didn't have to do it. You could have pulled your credit card and say, dude, you owe me. And that would have been righteousness. You owe me, dude, because you can't defraud your neighbor. That's wrong, particularly if they call themselves Christians. But here is what you and I do. We'll we'll let them, you know, um, make that mistake. They say they're sorry, but then they want my credit card again. Well, I've lived in this world long enough to know what it means to walk in categories of honor. So I'm going to share this with you. So be a blessing to our audience as well, Jermaine. Think this through with me now, um, because this is where we get in trouble as well. Um, when we are called to be honorable people, honor really does require us having a category of things we honor in a hierarchical fashion, meaning You are a man of God. You are a husband. You are a father. At minimum, that's what you are. I know you. So I know at least three areas in your life where you are called to a hierarchical order of honor system for which you can't then just squander your resources on other people. You don't get to take your credit card. Give it to somebody who is careless that could endanger you, endanger your wife, endanger your kids, and therefore endanger your witness and let them do what they want with your card. Out of honor for God, you can't give him the card because the Bible says if a man doesn't work, don't let him eat. 
The Bible makes it very plain that we are to be careful not to give our goods to people who don't have respect for them. That is giving your pearls to swines. That's what you would do. I could take you to a number of Proverbs that warns about um, the slothful man being a brother to a great waster. In other words, unprincipled people who don't walk in honor, who don't pay back. As the proverb says, the wicked borroweth and payeth not back. You are not obligated to give your money to that wicked man. You must first honor God. You must honor your wife. You must honor your children. And by the time you get to Jermaine, if anything is left, if you want to give it to them, you can do that. But this is how I was able to keep uh, raising my kids and paying my bills over the years in the last uh, 30 years that I've been in the Bay Area with all of the um you know, homeless people asking for money. You know what that's like. I would often go to them and say, hey, dude, you know, I got eight kids. You want to take one of my eight kids? No, 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 no. That's all right, bro. No, no, don't worry about that. You can keep your money. <laughs> okay. The point being is that um, you don't get to take your resources and give them to someone that's demanding of you because you actually have a a system of honor that you have to uphold. You have to honor God. You have to honor your wife, have to honor your children. Now, when they come back with the retort and they go, man, you're not loving, you go, yes, I am loving you because actually what I need to help you understand is your incorrect behavior has to be corrected here and now. If I don't reprove you, I don't love you. Open rebuke is better than secret love. I'm not going to let you continue to defraud me. According to Romans chapter 13, love works no ill towards its neighbor. Therefore, you don't get to just defraud me over and over and over and over again, and I just go broke in Jesus' name because I'm loving on you. That would be a marring of the testimony of the wisdom of the gospel. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. All right, bro. Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you later. Got to take a break. All the lines are open. I love that practical talk. one 367 5329 The Lord Jesus, nor did the disciples, give anyone that came along money. They didn't do it. This is what is meant to walk in honor. You have a category of honorable things that you hold in order that you must uphold if you're going to be a man of honor, a woman of honor. It's called discretion. You don't just waste your resources. God gave them to you. Three lines. In fact, all lines open. one 367 Let me hear from you. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. All right, the time six twenty six on this Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open. You want to call one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. You want to challenge me on the topic of forgiveness, or you want to expand on it? You want to add to it? You got a question about it, or I'll take your questions on any most anything that would be redemptive and beneficial for our audience. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach yours truly. Jesse gets in here on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Enjoyed that conversation with Jermaine. Um, very important. I think that really, um, when you think about forgiveness on a relational level, it becomes the singular pivot upon which all relationships are either healthy or unhealthy. Does that make sense? That forgiveness is the singular pivot upon which all relationships are either healthy or unhealthy. So this is why I'm pressing. So I'm so fascinated by the word of God around the subject of forgiveness this time around. Of course, I've talked about it. I've been teaching for years. 
But around this topic, I'm learning something about God in relationship to forgiveness that he knows about us, that we don't particularly know about ourselves, that we should know in relationship to our walk with him. He's given us this pivot called forgiveness. It's a pivot. You know, when you're playing basketball, if you're a point guard, any person on the court, you have a pivot foot that has to stay planted, right? You have to have a plant foot. You get to pivot, move around in that one space without lifting up that pivot foot. That pivot allows you to shift and move in relationship to events or circumstances or experiences. Now, that's a grace from God. What if you didn't have a pivot when you had an evil thought that was so blasphemous, so blasphemous that you don't even want to think about it again a second time yourself, and yet you had a pivot? That pivot out was a negotiated response between you and God that God gave you in his word that liberated you from the impact of that thought. It's a pivot. What if... Uh, In the weakness of your human nature, you were out and about today and you did something that you know was wrong. It was just wrong, black, ugly, dark, wrong. And you really could have suffered from it bad in terms of uh, repercussions and consequences, etc. And God gave you a pivot. He pivoted you out of the direct impact of the consequence of your action, which could have mortified you. I mean, mortified you. And you escaped. Now, that was the consequence of a negotiated reciprocal relationship between you and God. Y'all getting the point? In other words, on micromanaging levels, what God does with us by his spirit, because he understands the limitations of our humanity. The weakness of our frame relative to our sinfulness, he gives us a constant pivot out of dreadfully, dreadfully stupid and dangerous and problematic situations that would impede us, that would hinder us, that would shut us down, that would blind us, that would cripple us, that would mortify us, that would stupefy us, that would just simply collapse us to the ground and say, you know, I can't do this. How amazing is this infinite God who understands the infinitude of possibilities around the things that go on in your life in relationship to him, for which if God has to mark it as sin. That's what we're going to deal with, not this week, but next week. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities. None of us could stand. God allows us to pivot, 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 pivot over and over and over again and reestablish our footing on his grace, the person of his son. In a nanosecond of renewal and, 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 and quickening of restored relationship. And every one of the transgressions or errors or mistakes or sins or rebellions or defiled thoughts, every one of them, and they are, according to Job, infinite. Have all been leveled in one direction. Every one of them. So that you are actually living in a liberty, 
and freedom of conscience, freedom of heart, freedom of mind. But it's a negotiated liberty. Don't don't get me wrong. You are not throwing your fist in God's face and saying to hell with you, God, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you're going to forgive me anyway. Not so with a truly born again believer. Not so. David made it plain. The psalmist made this plain. I will walk at liberty because I seek your precepts. So is it possible, child of God, while I'm talking this through, since none of y'all want to call, that the freedom that you have to live, move, have your being, to think through the way you're thinking and to act the way you do in the, in the light of his presence and the joy of his approval and acceptance of you through Christ, is it possible that in the picoseconds of your life, over the span of eternity, past to eternity, future. Is it possible that a second power has entered into your space and swallowed up all those transgressions, absorbed them into himself, the infinitude of them, to liberate you to stay in God's presence, so that you actually, you're actually enjoying what I'm talking about even right now. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, because I can tell you now, you are an amazing creature to stand in God's presence and live in the bounty of forgiveness. You just do your life, do your thing, do what you want to do. And in the context of God negotiating with you because he wants you and ostensibly you want him. You are a happy creature in Christ. Because in a picosecond, he flew into time from eternity back to eternity and swallowed up the infinitude of all your transgressions, past, present and future, absorbed them into himself as a second power. Glorious. It's called mediation. And therefore, you are free. Free. For whomsoever the Son shall set free is free indeed. Do you understand the magnitude, the enormity, the profundity, the depthful, impactful reality of what Christ did when he became you and you became him? You understand the the moment of trading places, the moment of union, the moment of transaction by which there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And it does not mean that you don't know, does not mean that you don't see, does not mean that you don't feel. In fact, you do know, see and feel. We're going to learn that, that one of the things that God wants you to do, know, see and feel in part your wretchedness so that you can be grateful for his glorious grace in your life. This brings honor to God. And this is the only way people are going to come to Christ through you. So shall I teach transgressors your ways. Phenomenal. I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, I'll take Victoria. I've got three lines open. one 888 The forgiveness of sins experienced. Phenomenal. I'll be right back.
And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. We've got 20 minutes. Two lines open, one 367 one The topic of forgiveness is where we have been. I hope you've been edified by it, encouraged to go deeper. Um, if we owe God anything, it will be because we have not pondered deeply enough what he did for us to bring about forgiveness of sins and what it should do to us in terms of its impact on our soul. Let's go to line one and talk with Victoria in Oakland. Victoria, what's your question, comment, or observation? Uh, it's a comment on the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For me, um, you know, when the Lord, when we're saying the Lord's Prayer and we say, um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, we're actually saying in like-mindedness, you know, we're asking Him to forgive us, and in like manner, we forgive others in that same manner. Because the Lord says, if you do not forgive those who trespass against us, neither I, your Father, will forgive you later on that. And so it's the choosing to realize through the power of the Holy Spirit that that supernatural precious blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus, that forgiveness is freely given to those who call upon the name of the Lord and by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Mm -hmm. So as we're growing in His grace as His children, that Others can truly know that person's different. You know, um, they're they're not uh, being divided. Although there's no perfect church, but the perfect one is sealed in them through the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables us and equips us to love people where they're at, and and not be judgmental and critical spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit. Because we have the power to speak life or speak death. And our words, we are accountable for every idle word that comes out of our mouth, which would be the contents of our hearts. So we are seeking God from deep within, deep onto deep in his word, saying, Father, uh, transform, uh, conform, uh, renew, whatever in me, so that when you look upon me, Father, that you see the reflection of your Son. If you got to turn up that fire in the kiln to, uh, you know, uh, remove whatever branches uh, in me uh, so that I may bear fruit because I'm connected to the true living uh, vine, which is Christ, you know, sometimes we are... Uh, so to speak. So here's me, uh, put a guard over my mouth, prune whatever words, because we represent Christ Jesus through our words. Um, and so I'm, I'm asking God to help me through the Holy Spirit, because people are listening, and all I know is as long as God is glorified, honored, and praised, and pleased, through obedience of loving people where they're at, um, I I'll leave it at that. Is that what the Holy Ghost stopped with you, Victoria? Well, I can go on and on, and you said twenty minutes, so I said, Father, <laughs> <laughs> I said, Father, you know, give me what you want out there, because we're in the open airways, and when we speak, there are 
hearers that need to know that God loves them. And they're going to see it from us. They're going to know it from us, that what comes out of our mouth is not what enters a person that defiles, but what comes out of our mouth, and that is the contents of our heart. I choose to forgive. I don't own the day or the night. Everything in my living and being and breathing is on God. So I choose to love others where they're at because I was loved at that cross. And Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yep. So yep. it's precious and perfect and holy, and I'm just big. <laughs> That's it. You're good, girl. Good, good, sister. Listen. Um, you have the keys to eternal life. I, I wish other people understood it. It's as simple as you laid it out. You were profound. Don't get me wrong. The spirit of God definitely was working through your words, kept it God glorifying, kept it Christ centered, cross centered. And that's the point. Victoria, Christians don't understand the preciousness of what Christ sacrificed in order to merit us a forgiveness that releases us from an enormitude of transgression, sins, faults, errors, and for us to be able to reflect that in our relationship with others utterly and totally glorifies God. And that's the reason why Christ gave Matthew's chapter 6, verse 10 through 13 to the disciples. He told them, you bet not. That's my version. You bet not go around not forgiving one another when you will be standing there watching me hanging on that cross. Bearing the wrath of a holy God and the infinitude of sins for people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. And then you turn around and begrudge one another. You better walk in the, the latitude of love and forgiveness and, and, and understanding and patience and kindness that, um, that actually reflects the glory of God in the person and work of Christ, as you so well put it. Bless you, my sister. Bless you. Um, let me talk with Jerry Starr before I take a break in San Francisco. Jerry, what's your question, comment, or observation? My <clears throat> I'm sorry. How are you doing, Brother Jesse? I'm good. My observation is this. I've been here 30 years in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and what I notice is that people around here have such a stone-hard heart, they won't forgive you for anything. Wow. And another thing I notice is this, is that the man who has forgiven the one guy that owed him like a million dollars, like in the Bible there. Yeah. And the one guy was forgiven, and he goes out and not forgive a person that owes him money. That's what's going on in San Francisco a lot. And another thing about me is that I'm tired of asking people to forgive me. Right. The way I had to be forgiven 30 years ago, I'm going to be honest, I had to be sent to prison twice in order to be forgiven because I couldn't just simply say, oh, I'm sorry, that judge had to put me through it to make me sorry, which I know I am now a decade later, and today I'm still putting my foot in my mouth and have to ask my brother in the Lord to forgive me, because when he gets all upset about because I won't let him talk when we're having this simple conversation, he goes nuts and ballistic, and I have to keep zipping my lip and say, well, let me let my brother talk, because what I keep saying is, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking before you started to talk. So what I'm doing now is asking the Lord to help me just please be quiet, and also that I really have to work on personally myself, not having people just ride up on me and say, 
can I get two dollars, three dollars, four dollars? And I would say no, and I'd walk away feeling guilty, and I'd go right back to them and give them half of my load. I thank you for that plane earlier with yeah. Brother Jermaine. Yeah. That really learned me up on some. Thank you, Brother Jermaine. Amen, Jeff. amen. Hey, bless you too, Jerry, man. I, uh, You know, um, I, I'm, we're often praying for you brothers out there uh, handling the streets like you do, and I really do mean that. My prayer team will let you know. I think about you guys all the time, and I know there are believers out there that, that have to deal with all of that crazy stuff that goes on. And I don't mean crazy in a derogatory sense, but you know, our brothers and sisters on the streets, they got issues. You know that they got, they got issues and you still have to love them and try to do the gospel with them in a way that they don't take advantage of you. You can't let that happen. Yes. And I told them all about the guy who was at the beautiful gate. And then that's what they're like getting mad when I say, you know, the guy at the beautiful gate, when Paul and Silas come by, they lifted him up on his ankles and he got strong. Yep. And then the brothers just don't want to get that treatment there and get strong. Amen. They just get mad. They want gold. I know. I know. I know. Lord. I know. That's sad. I'll talk to you yeah. later, my brother. Thank you for the call. Got to take a break. Uh, see, one line open, one 367 if you want to call. Thank you, Jerry. I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. All right, we're back. Um, if you want to give me a call, I've got a few minutes to take a call. one 367 I was really blessed by Jerry's call there. I hope you were, too. Uh, it reminds us of the battle that goes on on the streets for those of us who don't um, have to to live on the streets and deal with our brothers and sisters that are addicted and um, um, alcoholics and and uh, having mental issues. That's a whole nother world. And that world has believers in it as well. As you heard, Jerry, and he even has the the grace and discipline to listen to the program on Mondays and draw from it. He sits there and learn from it. What's wrong with us church folk that we can't learn from it? Think about that, saints. This is what's going to make the day of assignment so absolutely um, awe-inspiring. There will be people in glory whom you never knew. Because we just don't think about where the work is done. We don't think about how the work is done outside of the church as well. We don't think about it being done in all of the different quarters and sectors of life where people live. And what about us who are largely church people? Our job is really to to adorn the gospel in a way. And I guarantee you, if I had time, Jerry would call back and affirm this, but he's not, and I don't have time. Why is it that God has called you into the church so that you can help represent the kingdom in an organized institutional fashion in a way that the blessings of it efficiently and sufficiently go out to bless our brothers and sisters in the streets? That's really what it's for. It's really what it's for. Think about your master, the Lord Jesus, and think about the 11 disciples who were with him in the work. Um, They went to church for sure, but they also went to the streets. They also went everywhere preaching the gospel. They also engaged in all of the different venues of life where the gospel is to be, is to work, is to manifest its glory. And so for you and I who are sitting and listening and have the comfort of 
a community of believers like we do at Grace, please understand the passion of my heart. Your job is to meet people wherever they are, as Victoria said, with a heart full of grace, full of the gospel, full of righteousness, full of mercy and bowels of forgiveness and and an attitude that is not hypercritical. What do you have that you didn't receive? No. So you and I want to be able to facilitate our brothers. See, they are in a higher esteem position than you and I. Jerry is more honorable than me. God will honor Jerry more honorably than he will me. Jerry is in the trenches. Like my authentic missionary brothers and sisters, they're in the trenches. I'm behind a microphone. I pastor a church. I deal with a lot of people. I deal with the spectrum of folks outside and in. Yes, as many pastors do, the more honorable members of the body are people like Jerry. I guarantee you. Sorry, I guarantee you. You won't be sitting in an audience on that day watching Pastor Jesse or some other famous preacher cross the stage and get rewards. That won't be the case. Much of the work of the kingdom of God is done by people in the trenches, watering here, sowing there, blessing here, enduring there, suffering here, suffering there, all around the world and all of our countries where chaos and madness and confusion. And the only thing that can help a soul is a word from God about Christ, about mercy and forgiveness and patience and repentance and reconciliation and free justification and grace. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? So we get to enjoy air-conditioned buildings and cush cush chairs, but we've got to get this thing on the inside. It's got to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Doctrine won't do it. It's got to be a real, living, vital Jesus on the inside, taking the Word of God, metabolizing it into every cell in our spiritual body so that Christ in you, the hope of glory, The new creature comes out wherever you are. See, if Christ only comes out in church, you are fooling yourself. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. We come to huddle. We go to play the game. We come to worship. We go to witness. We come to pray. We go to proclaim. We come to hear. We go to herald. Y'all get that? I'm I'm super privileged. I'm super privileged to be behind the mic. I'm super privileged to be on the radio every day. God knows that. I'm I'm super privileged to be healthy up to this point. Very thankful to be able to do what I do. Listen, this is all about the glory of God the Father, through God the Son, by the power of God the Spirit, through the gospel of his glorious grace, and that it would leak out into small areas of unknown territory that some of us would never, ever go. Thank you, Lord, for radio. Thank you for radio. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for creating all things for your glory 
Thank you for having dominion over all things. Thank you for controlling the powers of the air. Thank you for this day that you have made, by which we got a chance to contemplate once again the enormitude of forgiveness. What a blessing it is to be forgiven. Have your sins paid for, washed away from the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. I am he who blots out your transgressions as far as the east is to the west. They shall be remembered no more. What do you do with that kind of new slate and freedom? other than walk in the profundity of liberty, doing backflips in your soul and living a life full of love and charity towards lost men and women who don't know what you know, don't know who you know, don't have what you have, and they should. God give you and me grace to be able to share this wonderful message of redemption with the whole world about a God who gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's call on him now. Ask him to save you now. Ask him to have mercy on you now. Say, Lord, save me. Lord, give me life. Lord, take over, run my life. Come get me, Lord Jesus. You're the Savior. I'm not. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I want you. I need you. I can't live without you. And he will come. Till next time, God bless you. God keep you. God calls his face to shine upon you. God lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 